Welcome to the Health Ignited Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Nick and Sonia Jensen. We are partners, parents, business partners, doctors, yoga teachers, and retreat leaders. We promise to bring you real conversations to awaken and ignite your potential to live your best life possible. Join us each week as we dive into topics varying from brain health, biohacking, hormones, and longevity, to relationships, parenting, meditation, and more. Together, creating community and building stronger foundations for the generations to come. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Health Ignited. I'm here with uh, the woman I'm here with every week, which is Dr. Sonia Jensen. How are you today? I'm good. How good. are you? I'm good. I always ask that question. You've never said... I've never not... said I'm good. What do you usually say? I usually say, I just usually say hello. Okay. <laughs> and then we move on. <laughs> well, it's important to ask how we're doing because the, the talk today is all about relationship Yes. Uh, intention and attention and, and connection. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have two of our, our most radiant favorite people here joining us uh, today, uh, Tommy Rosen and Kia Miller. And we're going to get into how we know them. Um, but uh, they've been hugely influential in my life, especially Tommy. I've got a chance to get to know him uh, over the last number of years. Um, but these people are absolute world changers they're so lovely to be around and um actually it wasn't until i was i was away at a retreat with tommy and um he was talking to key on the phone and i'll never forget this but tommy you were so sweet with key on the phone i'm like oh my god there's there's other men in this world that speak so lovingly to their wives and are not afraid to speak in that kind of loving nature and i said like wow i loved hearing you speak to your wife in that way um, and that, so really what I want this conversation to be about today is, is really that, like, how do we bring more love into these loving relationships? And because of the world that we're in, we're so surrounded by our external stressors and the relationship for ourselves to our community, a relationship with ourself to our country, to the world, and all these relationships that are so big and profound that we don't know what to do with that, those heavy emotions that, that get stirred as a result of them. And so we want to anchor back into self. So Tommy Rosen is, is a leader and a mover and shaker in the world of recovery, Recovery 2.0, um, and Key Miller of Radiant Body, uh, Radiant Body Yoga, massive uh, influence and so much heart. So that was my long-winded introduction. Love you guys and thank you so much for being here. So happy to be here. Thank you. So beautiful to see your radiant faces. Yeah, and those of you that aren't watching like you should see their aura and their radiance it's like as soon as the screen came on it's like you just Oof. you get this hit of like okay we want to be better yeah. so that we can match their vibration because their vibration is so high yeah totally well let's let's jump right in because you know tommy being the master of addictions and recovery and there's so many different types of addictions that are out there but really today we want to talk about the relationship of addiction which is codependency can Tommy, can you sort of like paint that picture for the listeners of of what that is? Hmm. Thank you so much. And it's an incredible joy to be with you guys as always and to reflect uh, upon these very important, very, very core uh, challenges and puzzle pieces to this life. We're talking about relationship. When you talk about codependency, we're talking about relationship. And it begins, well, it's supposed to begin with relationship with self. And so if, if all healthy relationships, all healthy relationships begin with healthy relationship with self. 
It would be impossible, really, to have a healthy, well-grounded, loving, present relationship if you're not healthy, well-grounded, loving, and present with yourself. It just would not be possible. So when we speak about an intimacy disorder like codependency, intimacy, into me, you see, I'll let you see me. You let me see you. And we'll develop that, that depth of connection over time. That comes from me being willing to look inside of my own self. Into me, you will see. So I have to say that to myself. I have to look into my own self, my own situation first. And I know for myself that as a child and an adolescent and a young adult, I did not do that. I, I was not skillful at that. I was not really putting my effort into learning about me, developing a relationship with myself. And I would say that my childhood was spent uh, in, in movement. I, I mean that literally, like hyperactivity, uh, athletics, kinetic movement, um, always moving. And people used to say, my parents or teachers used to say, you know, you, you can't sit still for five minutes, you know, and, and that was true. What I didn't realize until much later was I was choosing not to sit still for even five minutes because to sit still with myself, I would have to face something that I was very, very frightened of which was a sense of something being wrong. Although I wouldn't have been able to tell you what it was. There was something inside that always felt that it was just off center. And I refer to that general feeling as anxiety. It wasn't the kind of anxiety where your whole life immediately implodes or you're you know you have a mental severe mental health issue where it has to immediately be treated it wasn't that kind of anxiety it was a low level constant nagging something's wrong like an itch that you can never really scratch you're aware of it you can't get to it you don't know what it is or where it came from. It's just your, it's your baseline. How I knew myself was as baseline anxiety. Because I was scared, scared to look. It grows in power over time. The longer you don't look, the more dangerous or frightening it seems. Like, you know, the boogeyman. It's the boogeyman coming to get you. And what we know about the boogeyman is once you face the boogeyman, you realize it really wasn't even what you had imagined. It wasn't anything as bad as what your mind could have drummed up. But I spent the first half of my life really running from that. And the running from that 
meant I was running from me. So I never got to know myself. I didn't get to know what was behind that wall of anxiety. And so, so that's how my life went. And it's easy to understand why I made choices around substances, um, you know, drugs, alcohol, that would make me feel better, even temporarily, from that sense of anxiety. So that codependency you asked about, Nikki Myers, a friend of ours, describes it as the disease of the lost self. Hmm. I, I, and in my case, I wasn't lost. I just don't, I don't know that I had ever been found. I had never found myself or developed that relationship. So I had that disease of the lost self as far back as I can remember. And so I carried it into my childhood. I carried it into my adolescence and my young, my young adulthood, and it affected every area of my life and every relationship in my life. And, and so I'm looking back from 53 years old, being able to say some of these things to you with some modicum of clarity. But that's not the way it was, even when I was, say, 43 or 33 or certainly not 23. So I hope that begins to open up a conversation. I'm sure Kia will have some things to say about that. Definitely. Go ahead. Yeah, I think um, I love how you bring it back to the self and bring it back to also our childhood. And as a woman coming into the world, I think there's a little bit of a, a difference of this um, this different knowing because one thing that I've come to understand is like we're carrying this lineage in our ovaries the moment that we're conceived. So there's this other connection that kind of keeps women and young girls grounded that's a little bit different than young men. And now both of us have two little boys. So I'm always kind of analyzing what's going on in their world and how we can navigate relationship uh, for them. I mean, not navigate it for them, but guide them to understand themselves better. So Kia, I would love to hear from your perspective of being a woman in this world. And because I think as humans, all we want is belonging and connection. And the work that I've done with um, studying like oxytocin and if we don't receive that in our beginning years with that nurturing from whether it's our mother or our village and our community, we tend to lose that innate connection that's already there. So I'm just curious if you've had that experience yourself or with the work that you do with um, others and if you've seen that be different than maybe what men go through versus women or if you feel like it's innately the same. Oh, that's such a good question. And it's, it's so interesting because uh, in my work, I've never really focused on uh, the, the, the difference between male and female. I think my, my focus is so much on the spiritual journey and the sort of unveiling of the layers of conditioning wherever they're coming from. To, to access that kind of deeper seat of self. And so I actually haven't ever uh, focused on that particular area, although I think it's uh, a fascinating one. Um, yeah, I've usually, I, my, my focus is just as a human being, we're subject to all of these conditions, um, ancestral, familial, mm -hmm uh cultural uh a 
astrological and how do we unwind from all of that so we can access the true source of our power. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome because I mean, it's sort of in the name of your yoga too, a radiant body, right? Like the radiant body isn't male, female. It's just, it's that human energy system that, that makes us all human. And, and that's the, the mm-hmm. energy that binds us or unites us. So I love that. Um, on this uh, topic of, I, I want, I want your, your people and our people, um, all of our people to essentially appreciate the, I think the relationship dynamic that happens when entering into a relationship with someone who has been on a journey of recovery. So I'd love to like, Maybe Kia, if you can share, you know, did you have hesitation? Was there concerns? I mean, I'm we're making this very literal uh, on the level of relationship, but I think it's an important one because I think people, you know, when they see someone who's moved through some big stuff in their life, you know, was there hesitation? Was there stress? Was there worry um, when you entered into this relationship with this beautiful man here next to you? <laughs> it's I, I, I'm laughing. We're laughing. It's. Uh... It's such a fun question, and you know, there's that saying that uh, people say that you you tend to get into relationship with the person who kind of represents uh, the the dysfunctional relationship that you had with your parents. What whichever one of your parents, you know, in my case, it happened to be my mother. Uh, there was addiction in 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 her life, but the funny thing is that. Um, the relationship, the more significant relationship that I had before Tommy was with an absolute addict uh, of the furthest extreme. And I didn't even recognize it when I went into that relationship. I was just naive. And so when it, it came to Tommy, he's sober, um, you know, he'd been on the path for a long time. So in a way, when we got into relationship, it was definitely a step up for me. And right away, I learned so much from him because of his uh, 12-step work and his capacity to be um, so honest and also his real capacity um, to be intuitive and to reflect what he sees so that I couldn't just hide and sweep things under the carpet like I had done my whole life as I'd learned. and so uh, we had a very honest relationship from the beginning, a very accountable relationship from the beginning. And even though there was still some stuff going on, it, that itself, I think, created the capacity for what we have now because we started there. And, um, and his intuitive capacity and... and uh, 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 desire to stay in communication just never let me off the hook and uh, I didn't always like it <laughs> but it was really good for me it was really good for me to learn how to how to match that and show up and go into the fire of the uncomfortable moments in relationship where you really just don't want to show up you'd rather close the door and you know stew on it a little bit and make it worse <laughs> and then sweep it under the carpet for a later date when you know something small happens and all of a sudden a volcano explodes like, that's what i oh, was going to do well we don't know what that's about at all <laughs> never never 
Well, Tommy, I'd love to hear it on your perspective too. So like, you know, we talked about someone coming into relationship with someone who's been through recovery or, you know, there's always this unknown, like, are they going to spiral down again? Um, yeah. For you being on the other side, what what's that relationship like when you're, you're ready for mm. healthy relationship with yourself and long enough so that you can be able to be there in commitment to someone else? Yes. What was well, that like for you? Yeah, well, I'd like to start by saying I'm, I'm shocked to hear that Keenan was with someone before me. <laughs> the first time I'm hearing that. Uh, I mean, when, this, this is what these podcasts are for. We met at a tender age of, you know, 33 years old. And to hear that she had dated someone previous to me, that's it's upsetting. This is frankly. <laughs> <laughs> good thing you guys have the right tools um, now to navigate forward. Yes, yes. Good to have it out now. <laughs> well, answer your question seriously um i really had no idea that i was capable of having a marriage when kia and i got married um i knew uh I, i've told this story before it won't be news to kia but i knew that on the morning that we got we wrote our vows together we were in Yosemite National Park. It's the morning of our wedding. We had five other people with us. We'd kind of done a semi-eloping kind of thing. And we sat opposite each other, writing our vows. And I knew in my mind, my mind was really messing with me. My mind was, you know, saying, you know, you are going to come face to face with yourself in this marriage <laughs> you are not going to be able to escape yourself you're going to reach a day where the things that are hard for you are going to surface and that's a difficult place to be on the morning that you're going to marry somebody because it brings up doubt will I be able to navigate my personal challenges? Because I'm absolutely in love with this woman. I absolutely want to be here and I want to go through this. But inside those voices, what are you going to do on those days when the aspects of you that are hard to navigate a relationship rear their head. How will you be at that time? And so I say to people, I was 99% sure of what I was doing the morning I was getting married. <laughs> and, and let me tell you, like, as they say in recovery, 99% is hell. It's absolutely hell. That 1% gets in the way of everything. We went outside and we laid down a blanket by the Merced River in Yosemite. I, Kia was not there yet. She was with her, her maid of honor, her best friend. And we waited for them to show up and, and out they came from behind the tree. And Kia, and I say this sincerely, she is so beautiful to me to this day. Same thing as it was that day. Really, exactly the same. And she came out from behind that tree and was walking with the biggest smile on her face 
to she was walking with that smile <laughs> to a life with me. And I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I literally was humbled, so humbled. And in that moment, 99% became 100. And I knew that whatever comes, I'm going to have to take it one day at a time. I'm going to get support. I'm going to be open to that support. And I'm going to learn how to be in a marriage. And when I met my life teacher, Guru Prem, he delivered this line to me. I said, Guru Prem, you know, recently I got, I had a wedding. And he looked at me and he said, well, Tommy, any monkey can have a wedding. <laughs> but for you to have a marriage, you are going to need help. And I said, yes. Yes, I am. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to need all the help I can get. And that openness and that willingness to listen and take pointers and to learn and to grow as a human being, as a man, uh, has been indispensable in, in us relating to one another, staying intimate, staying connected, staying current. So, you know, with regards to addiction, I was not done with what I call the frequency of addiction, which still ran through my body and still ran in my mind. I still struggled around gambling and money. I still struggled with cigarettes. I still struggled with all of the, the women stuff and girl stuff that I, was, that I grew up with. And so I had a lot of work to do. But Kia and I were really well suited to navigate those waters together. Her from her side, me from my side. You know, and we we worked, you know, presently and, and lovingly uh, over the years to, to navigate whatever came up. Thank you for sharing that. It's such a beautiful story. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, you can you can see the love between the two of you and more so you guys can see the respect that you have for each other and even in how you show up for everybody else in the world. Like both of you influence so many lives and you can see that you give each other the space to do that and can come together. And so my question for you, Kia, would be how do how do you navigate that piece in a relationship? when you have this thing that you wanna share with the world that may be different than your partner, because you guys are sharing this openness with the world and helping people navigate through their lives, but in different and unique ways. So how do you keep yourself centered to do that without um, losing yourself in maybe your partner's journey? Mm, gosh, that's such a good question. I think I have two, two parts to that. Um, and the first one is, is my own practice, my sadhana, my, my spiritual practice that keeps me connected to myself. Like that's the biggest rock of my day. That, that if I can get that in and uh, create that, that I think of it as into me, I see the intimacy. If I can create that in the morning and really uh set my frequency and vibration that I'm, I'm capable of like uh really 
walking my path in a solid way, supportive with Tommy and not being influenced either way. So that's uh, number one. And then number two, in the beginning of our relationship, people very quickly made it the Tommy and Kia show. And so we were asked to do things all the time together. And that very quickly, uh, to me, um, I recognized that that was not a healthy way to go. Um, it was creating different levels of power imbalances and um, uh, yeah, it just wasn't healthy in the beginning. And so I made a very uh, clear decision that I wanted to focus on my own thing. And Tommy was focusing on his own thing and then we could grow parallel but in full support. He's taught me so much about business that I've been able to bring into everything that I do. He's done all of my teacher trainings. And so he brings all of that into what he does. And so it's just been a, a really beautiful way where we recognize each other and we support each other, but there's enough autonomy that, um, that I really get to express my creativity and uh, my passion in what I do. And he gets to express it in what he does. And then we come together in certain moments to co-create things. But I think that the general emphasis is on just supporting one another so that whatever it is that we want to do, that the other one is in full support. Mm. Yeah. It's awesome. Tommy, I'd love to hear your thoughts too. Yeah. So um, the, you know, what comes up for me, which I think is, would be valuable to, for me to state uh, and, and might be uh, useful is that the, the first thing that Kia mentioned was her practice. And I'd be the first to say that her discipline and her devotion to that practice is unshakable. There are things in my life that are also unshakable, but there are days when I miss that practice. And when I do, I recognize that it, it doesn't quite go as clearly. Let's just say there's an unsteadiness that, that one can create without that practice. So I've learned that unbelievable gift uh, from Kia and also from my own experience with diligence or or missing. My personality has to, this is really, really sort of personal, but I, I don't mind sharing it. My personality, for this to work between me and Kia, Kia and I, I have to really work on my stories and the way those stories lead into expectation. So if Kia were to say, you know, I need to get up and do my practice. And I say, well, stay with me, stay with me. You know, the eight year old boy, stay with me, stay with me. The, and then she goes, no, I really need to do my practice. Okay. So there's a moment there for that eight-year-old boy to step into 53-year-old shoes or to remain in the place of the eight-year-old boy. The eight-year-old boy has a story. 
And out of that story of incompleteness, like I shared with you earlier, in that story of anxiety, in that story of not enough, it's not enough, I'm not enough, the story that comes out of that is one of, you know, insecurity or codependency. And it sets up an expectation. The expectation is, well, I expect or I count on you being here if I ask you to be. The truth is, is that Kia will be here anytime I need her to be. And there's also uh, a balance as we walk through normal life that my expectation of, well, but what about me? But what about me? Isn't coming from presence. It's coming from a very old, incomplete, untrue story. That doesn't necessarily alleviate some of the difficult feelings that come up when that story arises. So my work is to see it and catch it and not pin that on Kia. Now, obviously we have a functional relationship and we each have needs from the other and we do wanna you know, compromise and, and come together healthily to meet each other's needs and to be loving and connected. That's all true and that's sweet. And there's so much sweetness, obviously, between us. But I notice that when I come from the unconscious or from the old story or from the past, it doesn't go so well. Not just in Kia's reaction to expectation, but it just doesn't feel good to be in that space. So in that moment, I have choices. I can release the old story. I can look at the old story. And, and by the way, I can get up out of bed and get into my practice, which is where I come back to presence, come back to my own power, and come back to myself. But what I'm trying to bring up for anybody who's watching, who's in a long-term relationship, or who's ever struggled in relationship to anybody, is to me, this is what my teacher was talking about. This is what I was worried about at the beginning of my marriage was, oh, you're going to have to face yourself in some pretty honest and profound ways. And as I sit here telling you about this, it's not a point of shame for me. It's a point of joy for me that I understand myself, my stories, my expectations, my mechanisms to this level because this is what it has taken for someone like me to get to be in a relationship with someone like this. This is what it takes is that level of uh, introspection, the study of my own life, which is part of our belief system together as a couple. We believe that's important. And, you know, it's part of yoga in action is that, that swadhyaya, that self-study, that turning the gaze inward. And so me turning the gaze inward has shown me a couple things about myself that I have to be open and humble enough to see and then to work on that. And when I do, like Kia really appreciates that and notices that and there's a harmony and, and there's an energy that opens up. Now, 
it's not for me to ever call out what Kia's expectations are, the work that she has to do on herself. That's for her. But I will say for the sake of the audience that, of course, two people bring, each of them brings an ego to a relationship. Each of them brings their, their ideas, their expectations, their history, their family, their perspective to the relationship. And so I just think what I thought on that first day, on our wedding day, that I'm going to face myself, I think everybody has to do that in relationship if you're choosing that. You can also choose a life of not being in, in a marriage or a partnership like that. You still have to face yourself in different ways. But within the context of a relationship, everybody has to do this. And I just, I always hope, my prayer for anybody is, see beyond the immediate sensation, the intoxication and the chemicals of new love. And understand that, take it from people who've been there and understand that a relationship is like a shifting environment through time as you shift and your partner shifts and it's unpredictable. And the, and the commitment is just to show up for it. That's it. That's the commitment. It's not, I'll show up if I like it. I'll show up if it unfolds nicely. It's no, I, I, I'm just going to show up and we'll see what happens each day. Do, does that make sense for you? <laughs> Too much sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, I'm reflecting back to when Sonia and I first got together and, I just saw this exotic, gorgeous, sweet um, woman. And I remember thinking, and I'm glad you brought this up about lust versus love, because I want to ask you about that. Um, I was so involved in my feelings for, for this amazing woman that I, I remember saying, I don't know how I could ever be upset with her. There's no way. Like, she's just too incredible. And I feel like too lucky of an individual. And it's just so funny, like you said, like that's that um, the emotional chemistry that you just you're you're stuck in this place of reverence for this other perfect person and um you, you get so much feeling from the other person that you think it's you know otherworldly and then at some point people realize that oh we have to face our shit and and what i wanted to ask you guys is like sort of in this journey from lusting to love and authenticity and whatnot um there's there's a place where you start having a dialogue with yourself where you go like i'm acting like a total jackass here um i'm really screwing this up i can see myself in the process of doing this and recognizing that that this isn't serving anybody so when you said you just have to show up too i think that also takes a bit of pressure off people because there's no like manual for how to do that or how to be pay attention to those emotions and then this is you know that's step one so this is step two or what have you um how do you cultivate a little bit more of that, that uh, space in that transition? Um, hopefully this is making sense, but when you're feeling those feelings, that toxic feeling, what are some tools that you, maybe you guys use to help bring your clarity back to self? Because it can be this emotional roller coaster that you can wander down for, for some people it may take days to come back, but what are some of your tools in that moment when you're feeling that, that soup of, uh, challenge Ooh. 
Um, the way that I've learned to do it, well, it's two ways. I'm a slower processor than Tommy is. He processes things much faster. Um, I need to take a little space sometimes. Um, but I, I've learned not to take too much space. But sometimes I just need to back off for a moment and just be with myself. Um, not avoid, but just be present and be willing to dig a little about, okay, why did I react that way? Why do I feel this way? Why am I angry right now? What got triggered in me? And that process of self-reflection allows me to start to see what the correction is. And usually what happens is if I can just sit and really be present with it, then the, the, the kindness and the compassion and the love for the other person starts to rise up in me. And then I feel, I just trust myself and I just feel that urge to go and connect and I just trust it and I go connect so that, that a, a new level of conversation can happen. Mm. And I would just say, because this, I hadn't even thought about this before, but since we've been talking, it came into my consciousness. It's so easy to walk away from a relationship it's just so easy to do that. We've all done that. And I never went past 18 months with anybody before I got married. And here we are 20 years later. But uh, It's just so easy to walk away. And uh, yet I feel like our love as a couple um, grows in relationship to our own self-love. And so the more time I've spent getting to know myself and digging away and cultivating self-compassion and self-love and really starting to understand the complexity of what it is to be a human being. So when I mess up either in my life or directly in my relationship, it's just to, just to be present with that. And what I've noticed is that uh, the more love that I generate within my own being for, for my own experience, that, that love just, it gets exponentially bigger in relationship with, with Tommy. Um, because I feel like, I feel like I relate to that, the love within him that's not emotional love. It's not temporary love. It's, it's, like an eternal love it's like a it's like a frequency of love that he holds with with his huge heart and so the more i get to clarify myself the more i get to relate to that part of him and then all the little things that might annoy us about one another it's just it's so irrelevant and it can be part of the humor of being in relationship um and all the little like neuroses and things that we each have <laughs> we get to laugh at and we laugh a lot and we laugh at those things and i think it's so helpful um so that even <laughs> even in the midst of something very intense sometimes the humor will be there and it just helps to dissipate um so <laughs> That's, that's at least some of the insight that was coming for me as we opened up this conversation. Awesome. Tommy? 
And I would, we'd love to hear from you too. So what are your, what are your tools to navigate uh, that, that, that moment, that, that moment? Yeah. Hmm. Well, you know, it's, it's always, gosh. So just the other day I was getting clear on my, uh, like if, if someone said to you, you know, what's your core belief? A core, what's your core belief? Someone asked me, someone, a very powerful and wise person actually asked me that the other day. And it came sort of, <laughs> I wasn't ready to answer that question. Even though I think about that question all the time and experience it. <laughs> What's my core belief? So it took about 20 minutes for me to finally get to my answer for me. And it was something that we, I have heard and was taught that became ingrained in me and has become a belief system. And it is trust God, clean house, serve others. And so that's my core belief. It rings true for me and many others who I've spoken to over the years about that. But it needs unpacking, like a lot of unpacking, because trust God right there, you've lost a lot of people who don't necessarily understand what I mean when I say that. Uh, clean house, what are you talking about? Uh, okay, serve others, I got that part. All right, I understand that. So it, it requires a lot of unpacking. But the point is that if I trust that things are actually unfolding the way they are supposed to be, even with all the challenges, all the pain and all the difficulty, that from a absolute divine perspective, there's an unfolding going on that I'm not responsible for, but I'm part of it. If I believe that, then when I come to the moment you're asking me about, the point is for me to see what is taking place in order so that I can learn something about what's being offered because it's difficult, it's frustrating, maybe painful, frightening. And my job is not to see myself as a victim ever, but to see myself as a person who is empowered to make choices and to exercise free will, which I strongly believe in, within the context of a divine container. And that by making wise choices, I can move towards, in myself, peace and awareness and consciousness. So I go from a person who feels like it's happening to me to a person who feels like it's happening for me. And then finally, a person who feels like it's happening through me. Hmm. And at that point, when I'm at that level of awakeness in that moment, then the challenge becomes food for and fuel for the next awakening that I'm about to have, which is beyond the current challenge. There will be other challenges there, 
but it, it's, a, it's an unfolding, it's, a, it's an evolution. And in that evolution, I can reach that next level of understanding and be there uh, or you know, here rather than operating here where that challenge still takes place. Mm. So it's a, it's a here, this, this more expanded level, that particular challenge doesn't take place anymore because it's been learned from and processed through and looked at. And then finally, after being looked at and, and really worked with, then it's transcended. So that's that, that process of evolution, which that very difficult moment provides the opportunity for. And the only reason I can say that is because we've been through it in difficult moments enough times to see the what happens when you fight the moment and complain and blame and get, stay stuck in that, that difficult moment versus when you take a moment like what Kia said and say, all right, I am triggered here. Let's just start there. Mm -hmm. I am triggered. Why? What is happening here for me? Why am I so angry, frightened, sad, lonely? What's coming up here? And then you learn. And, and one doesn't just learn by themselves. One learns by picking up the phone and calling loving and wise counselors, teachers, friends, who can help reflect where you're at. And that's that's when we get to the, the conversation about sacred community, the Sangha that we all so desperately need, especially now. In order to, like, I remember, uh, and we see this a lot when people get married, often the the, the person presiding over the the wedding says to everybody in the community, like, you know, Will you support this couple? You know, and I can speak from my perspective that I, I feel deeply supported by my teachers in this relationship and by our loved ones and our friends who I sincerely believe want us to succeed. And so that carries weight for us. And it, it's important not to forget that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think what you said there is key. Um, both of you spoke about trust. And when I hear the word trust, I also hear the word um, surrender and really surrendering into the opportunity and what life is bringing for us. So how do we um, navigate that surrender and that trust when you're going through a pandemic or when you're, these external things in your life aren't necessarily working the way you thought life was going to happen and you're a mother and you're a wife and I'm talking about myself now and um, you're a teacher and a doctor and you're doing all these things so how do you support yourself in unraveling these stories because our responses are coming from that story that we've held from our traumas and our experiences and from our upbringing and then now here's this global thing where our global community is going through something so our we have an external force telling us that we can't leave our homes or we can't have somebody else come into your home to give you that support or give you that community 
So how can, what can we do to still stay in that space of surrender and that space of trust? Uh, I feel like, um, I feel like uh, my answer is always the same, but it, uh, it, what I've experienced and what I've witnessed in it as the light of this pandemic is that it has encouraged um, those who uh, already have a proclivity toward practice. It has encouraged those people to actually go inside and to start to do some of the work and take advantage of the stillness to begin to peel off those layers. Having said that, if that's easy coming from somebody like myself, we're in a relationship and there's no children around and there aren't all those responsibilities and going through a pandemic with two small children at home and the demands on that. Uh, and I think that's where um, just the support of friends, whether it's phone or um, uh, FaceTime and the Zoom thing, no wonder the Zoom thing just took off so hugely and families probably having more FaceTime, so to speak, than ever before. And what a great gift that has been. Mm. Um, yeah, but I, I understand and I've heard it from all my friends who have small children, just it's really challenging to be an isolated family in a uh, globally isolated time um, because, the, you know, fam as family units, we feed so much off of one another. Uh, so I think that's a unique challenge in and of itself. And I just, I bow to you, Sonia, for <laughs> the both of you for all the work that you've clearly been doing um, through this time with yourselves, you know, individually with each other, but also holding that space for, for children. And so then almost that becomes the practice, doesn't it? Being able to be in that non-reactive, present moment the trustful surrender um that 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 you can just do the best you can do mm. in the moment that you're doing it and then the last thing i'll just say on that is i feel like the the greatest teaching i ever got was i'll do better next time <laughs> just i love that <laughs> so good like wow i just you know that really wasn't an optimal moment <laughs> I'm gonna do better next time. So there's no there's no beating oneself up. There's just just cutting that cycle that can be so yeah. detrimental and just stepping forward and recognizing, okay, got it, moving on, not gonna beat myself up, I think. <laughs> I feel like that has served me so much over the years. It's yeah. I love that. Those are those are very powerful words. <laughs> very powerful. It's great. So um, we're getting close to an hour, and I know you guys are you got lots of stuff going on. Um, I want you guys to tell a little bit about the, your upcoming retreat, some of the stuff that you guys are doing um, to support people. Uh, I want to make sure that we we share all of that so people can access uh, you both uh, separately together. Um, but tell us about the upcoming retreat. Like what happens in Costa Rica? Um, 
and because you guys are both going together. This is this is a united front, right? It is, but what we decided to do because of the uncertainty of these times was that we're not taking a group this year. Um, we just just decided oh, okay. not to do live events. It's um, it, this there's so much responsibility that comes with that, and it, there's so many complications to getting on a plane right now that holding that space yeah. for many people just wasn't something that we decided that we would take on this year mm. Mm. well it's funny because last year when we were we were this close to going we were launching mm -hmm. a new business at the time we we're like oh shoot we really we really need to get there and so we're, we're gonna have to wait until next year too um to join you guys but I mean, these are immersive settings that you guys are taking people through and they're going through so much healing. And, and so on that sort of topic of getting away, obviously right now is, is a unique situation. Um, but how important is it for people to, to, to move into an immersive setting in order to heal? I, I think that that, that that is hugely important to take yourself away from everything that's familiar for you because it offers an opportunity to actually change some patterning pretty quickly because the familiar is not constantly reminding you of who you were and you can start to live more into who you are really yearning to be without that constant reflection but um, uh, we've both been having a lot of success uh, with doing immersive experiences i've been doing immersive week-long experiences with people in their home practicing with me twice a day and just seeing how dedicated practice and intention and community support, maybe not live community support, like in the same space and time, but community support, it's been huge to see people's mm -hmm. transformation happening within their own homes, just coming mm -hmm. from their willingness and their commitment and their desire to change. And then, having some powerful experiences, having a community to reflect those positive experiences, mm. and then having the, the discussion about how to sustain that and maintain that within you know, your own environment and actually how powerful that's been for people. So uh, I've really enjoyed exploring another dimension of uh, teaching in this time. I've taught online for many years, but to be able to teach uh, live right into somebody's home and feel the impact of that and to feel the accountability that comes when people get to show up to you live. Um, and then also the subtlety of connection that can be felt and it doesn't matter if somebody's in Australia or Europe or Canada or the United States or South America, that people can feel one another mm. in that space. And to me, what that helps us to do um, as individuals and then collectively is to start to, to feel how interconnected we all are, that we can feel each other's hearts in when we're in such disparate places and feel each other's united intention i think it's so powerful it opens us up to really the acknowledgement that we are all connected in this mm -hmm. world and that 
if we do the work to shift our frequency and vibration and we start to, you know, emit that <coughs> out into the unified field, and there's a bunch of other people doing that too, we're actually doing some pretty huge work in that. Mm -hmm. When we shift our own frequency, we're subtly influencing everybody's frequency, and that's what I've been feeling with these um, immersive experiences with people, you know, from their from their homes, and it's exciting to me because what I always wanted to do was lead people through transformative experiences. So now this is this is another way, and it makes it available for those people who maybe cannot, <coughs> excuse me, cannot afford to go away to Costa Rica, and um, so. It enables, I think we've both been using a lot of sliding scale options, which means that it still works for us and our time, but it makes uh, the, the practices available, doesn't matter on what socioeconomic scale you come from, there's a window here where you can join in and have the experience. So, um, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm kind of excited mm -hmm. about everything that's happening right now. Yeah, that's very cool. I love that. So, Tommy, you look like you want to say something. <laughs> well, I, I would, everything Kia said, I, I echo. Um, I'm in the world of recovery, you know, from addiction. And I just want to just express that even with the digital interface between us, recovery can be transmitted. We've seen it. We're seeing it all the time. It's, it's, it's remarkable. Um, it, it really, it really happens. It's the same thing that Kia is talking about and about a transformational process. And it is possible. It's more than possible. It's, it's probable for anybody who really, really wants to show up. So it's, it's a very exciting time. If you think about it, we never would have known this to this extent, if not for COVID. Mm -hmm. would, I mean, maybe eventually somewhere, but we would never have come to this understanding that these kinds of experiences and teachings can be made available to almost anybody much less expensively much more access for people so that's a that's a really incredible thing we um kia has an amazing 40-day program uh beginning online uh that people should should learn about it her website kiamiller.com i just want to shamelessly say something <laughs> yes please do <laughs> Incredible. It's an, I know, I already know what it's going to be. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> and my, my only regret is that right while she's doing that, I'm offering a program of my own, mm -hmm. which you can learn about at recovery 2.0, our, our website, r20.com. And we've got all kinds of offerings, you know, definitely into the end of the year and, and all throughout, throughout the year. So we're just, we're going to keep showing up with our full heart and energy. And, uh, and we also, of course, uh, we look forward to a time when we can all unite again, uh, in a physical face-to-face -face way uh, for you know, hugs and practice and the human touch, uh, mm -hmm. which is obviously irreplaceable. Mm -hmm. We recognize all that and we were very, um, I just say for myself, I'm very heartened by the directions and some of the decisions our country is making now 
and uh, and I'm hopeful uh, that we can move in the direction of greater health and uh, greater truth. And, and I believe that we're going to be able to solve some of the biggest problems facing us uh, so that we can actually come back together. And and I can't wait, you know, and I, we can't wait to hang with you guys. You know, I've, yes. I've said to you many times that I, I want a rough house with your children. It's, uh, <laughs> They're looking forward to it. <laughs> I, I really feel like I can take them, but I'm not sure. <laughs> well, you know? they're in, they can break blocks now. So that's they're, right. They're in karate they're, they're now. They're in karate. They've been yeah, training. I actually, I, I stand no chance against those kids. Especially in their, their carnage venom suits. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I have a question for the two of you um, as we close the talk. Um, what is one wish or one hope that you have for each other in this lifetime? Um, my wish for Tommy is that he he is, you know, that he realizes his heart's desires. I think that, you know, that the creative ambition that he has, that he can really realize that. And um, yeah. Naturally, my hope for Kia is the same. Uh, specifically, um, my hope for Kia is that she becomes in her, in her own, uh, by her own words and definitions, she becomes fully realized in this life, whatever that means for her as an individual, full realization. Yes? Ditto. Yes. Ditto. <laughs> I, I'm wide open to that. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. And and for whatever reason, if if it doesn't happen, it, you can do better next time. but i have full faith that that's already it's already happening and and no doubt you're gonna get there so um we're we're so grateful to you to both you you're you're big mentors and and we love you both so much we feel blessed to be able to share with you today and and I can't wait for people to tune in and, and listen to these messages because mm -hmm. you know it's i think it's easy to to present yourself as I got it all figured out. I mean, we, you know, you take care of your body, you take care of the people that you take care of and you show up the way that you do. And it's easy to, for people to see like, oh, like they got it all figured out. But this is why we wanted to do these podcasts because we recognize that, that these are the people that really need to share the message of like, you know, you are enough and it's going to be challenging and you're going to go through it and you're going to be better for it. And so, you know, the way that you guys shared today, that vulnerability and the, the authenticity is just, I mean, Honesty. yeah, I mean, we would expect nothing else from you guys, yeah. of course, but it's just so nice to, to hear that um, because if we're all going through something similar, you know, there, there's a way through and there's a, there's an elevated, I think, way to go through uh, in a way that's where we're honoring ourselves more deeply. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Health Ignited podcast. Be sure to download, subscribe, and share as we build this conscious community together. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, drsjensen.com. Please note all information on this podcast is not and should not be taken as medical advice. Please see a healthcare professional to receive the care needed. Thank you for sharing this time with us, igniting your health freedom. And welcome to the tribe.